Hi everyone, welcome back to the MedBullet Step 2 and 3 podcast. In today's episode, we cover the topic of Porphyria cutanea tarda found under the Dermatology section at MedBullets.com. Let's begin with the clinical snapshot. A 25-year-old woman on oral contraceptives comes to the dermatologist's office complaining of a rash on her hands, forearms, and face. On exam, her arms and dorsal hands are covered with oozing erosions and ulcers. Alongside these ulcers are patches of hyperpigmented skin. On questioning, we find that her mother has had similar episodes. Let's continue with an introduction to Porphyria cutanea tarda. This is a blistering cutaneous photosensitivity caused by hepatotoxic triggers. It may be due to an autosomal dominant or sporadic defect in heme synthesis. Typically, it is due to deficiency of hepatic uroporphyrinogen decarboxylase. This results in accumulation of uroporphyrin-1. And recurrent flares are triggered by hepatotoxins that upregulate the heme or P450 synthesis. Alcohol and estrogen are the most common triggers, but others may include viral hepatitis, HIV, and iron. With regards to epidemiology, remember that it is the most common form of porphyria and affects middle-aged men and women, as well as younger women on oral contraceptives. And conditions associated with porphyria cutanea tarda includes alcoholism, liver disease, hemochromatosis, chronic hepatitis C, and oral contraceptives. Moving on to the presentation, remember that skin findings include skin fragility, erythema, edema, vesicles progressing to non-healing blisters, erosions, and ulcers, especially in sun-exposed areas such as the face, neck, dorsal hands, and forearms. There may be hypertrichosis of the face, hyperpigmentation of the skin, and scleroderma-like plaques. In terms of the non-skin findings, remember that there is no abdominal pain, which is in contrast to other porphyrias. However, there may be red-brown urine, also known as port wine urine, from the porphyrin pigment. In terms of further evaluation, remember that the diagnosis is by skin biopsy. It may demonstrate subepidermal split or boule. Linear eosinophilic acid shift positive globules, known as caterpillar bodies, and direct immunofluorescence may demonstrate deposition of IgG, IgM, and C3 in papillary dermis. Or the diagnosis can also be confirmed by urine studies. There will be an increase in urine uroporphyrin levels, which are about 2 to 5 times above coproporphyrins. One can also perform a Woods lamp test which will demonstrate a distinctive orange-pink color due to the increase in uroporphyrin. And other studies that should be monitored include LFTs, iron studies, renal function tests, HIV, and hepatitis serologies. In terms of the differential, make sure to think about pseudoporphyria, which may be from NSAID use, porphyria variegata, acute intermittent porphyria, and erythropoietic protoporphyria. Remember that this will demonstrate burning pain erythema, and swelling that develops on the skin minutes after sun exposure. However, there will be no scarring or blistering, and protoporphyrins will be elevated in the plasma and in RBCs. The treatment for this is to limit sun exposure, and remember that beta-carotene helps to reduce photosensitivity. Treatment for porphyria cutanea tarda includes avoiding exposures such as alcohol, estrogen, primidone, or other hepatotoxins, as well as the use of sunscreen, and iron removal by phlebotomy, which is the first-line treatment. This reduces hepatic iron stores, which produces remission. However, if phlebotomy is not available, 
one may use deferoxamine. Another treatment option is hydroxychloroquine, which increases the excretion of uroporphyrin. And with regards to prognosis, remember that there is complete clinical clearing between two months and two years after stopping trigger exposure. And lastly, the best method of prevention is avoiding triggers. Now that we've discussed the major points relating to porphyria cutanea tarda, let's walk through some questions to apply what we've learned and get a sense of how the topic might be tested. For the first question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 36-year-old female presents to her primary care provider for tremor. She reports that she has always had a mild tremor, but that she has begun noticing it more since learning to paint. She feels that she has trouble dipping her paintbrush in the paint and making precise strokes on the canvas. She has taken on painting while drinking wine, as she notices that the wine seems to improve her tremor. Her temperature is 97.6 degrees Fahrenheit, or 36.4 degrees Celsius. Blood pressure is 105 over 61. Pulse is 58 beats per minute, and respirations are 12 breaths per minute. On exam, she has a high-frequency bilateral hand tremor elicited on finger-to-nose testing. Her neurological exam is otherwise unremarkable. The patient is started on a new medication for her symptoms. One week later, she returns with a new complaint of abdominal pain for one day. She reports that she has noticed a darkening of her urine and now has difficulty raising her arms over her head to brush her hair. This patient was most likely treated with which of the following medications? And the answer choices are Choice 1, topiramate Choice 2, propanolol Choice 3, primidone Choice 4, alprazolam or choice five, clozapine. The best answer to this question is choice three, primidone. This patient initially presents with classic symptoms of essential tremor and then returns after treatment with abdominal pain, dark urine, and proximal muscle weakness, which suggests a diagnosis of acute intermittent porphyria. Acute intermittent porphyria is known to be triggered by primidone. An essential tremor is usually a bilateral hand tremor, as in this patient, but could also present as an isolated head tremor. The tremor classically worsens with action, particularly fine motor movements, and is relieved by alcohol. The first-line treatment for essential tremor is propanolol, but its use was contraindicated in this patient in light of her bradycardia. Alternatives include primidone and topiramate, but only primidone is known to precipitate an episode of acute intermittent porphyria via its metabolite phenobarbital. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice 1. Topiramate is an antiepileptic that may be used to treat essential tremor. It can cause the side effects of weight loss and memory loss, but it is not known to trigger acute intermittent porphyria. Choice 2. Propanolol is a first-line medication for essential tremor, but would have been contraindicated in this patient due to her bradycardia. It is also not known to cause acute intermittent porphyria. Choice 4. Alprazolam is a benzodiazepine that is sometimes used to treat essential tremor. It can cause ataxia or slurred speech, but it would not precipitate an episode of acute intermittent porphyria. Choice 5. Clozapine is an atypical antipsychotic that is uncommonly used to treat essential tremor. It can lead to the important adverse event of severe agranulocytosis. It has not been shown to precipitate acute intermittent porphyria. Finally, a bullet summary. Phenobarbital is a metabolite of primidone and can exacerbate acute intermittent porphyria. For the second question, consider the following clinical scenario. 
A 46-year-old man with a history of hypertension, obesity, and hyperlipidemia presents with complaints of a new skin rash. He was in his usual state of health until one week prior when he noted dark urine and a non-pruritic skin rash of his hands. He endorses recent sore throat and rhinorrhea, but denies any recent changes in his medications and states that his other medical conditions are well controlled. He works as a butcher and denies recent travel. The patient denies tobacco use, but does endorse recently increasing his alcohol consumption to three to four shots of liquor per night. On exam, his hands demonstrate flaccid vesicles and hemorrhagic crusts and erosions on the dorsum of the hand. His temperature is 99.1 degrees Fahrenheit or 37.3 degrees Celsius. Pulse is 78 beats per minute. Blood pressure is 135 over 85. Respirations are 12 breaths per minute, and oxygen saturation is 99% on room air. His laboratory results demonstrate a sodium of 138 milliequivalents per liter, a potassium of 4.0 milliequivalents per liter, bicarbonate of 22 milliequivalents per liter, chloride of 105 milliequivalents per liter, BUN of 20 milligrams per deciliter, creatinine of 1.0 milligrams per deciliter glucose of 98 milligrams per deciliter, leukocyte count of 10,900 per millimeter cubed, hemoglobin of 12.4 grams per deciliter, and platelets of 280,000 per millimeter cubed. Which of the following is the best treatment for this patient? And the answer choices are, choice one, methylprednisolone, choice two, hydroxychloroquine, choice three, triamcinolone, choice four, acyclovir, or choice 5, trimethoprim sulfamethoxazole. The best answer to this question is choice 2, hydroxychloroquine. The most likely diagnosis is porphyria cutanea tarda, or PCT, in which hydroxychloroquine is the best treatment for this patient in this case. This patient presents with dark urine and non pruritic skin rash of his hands with hemorrhagic crusting and erosions in the setting of increased alcohol consumptions consistent with PCT. PCT is the most common porphyria and is caused by deficiency in uroporphyrinogen decarboxylase. PCT classically presents with fragile skin and photosensitivity, most commonly manifesting as flaccid vesicles and bullae with hemorrhagic crusts on the dorsal hands in addition to hypertrichosis of the face and hyperpigmentation. The urine may be dark due to increased urine porphyrins. Common precipitants of flares include alcohol, estrogens, viral infections such as hepatitis C and HIV, iron overload, and dialysis in patients with chronic renal disease. Management is predicated on avoidance of sunlight and known triggers. In addition, treatment with hydroxychloroquine and periodic phlebotomy can be beneficial. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice 1. Methylprednisolone is an intravenous corticosteroid that is used in multiple clinical contexts, including management of autoimmune diseases and in patients with adrenal insufficiency. It would not be indicated in this patient with PCT, as the underlying defect is a deficiency of uroporphyrinogen decarboxylase. Choice 3. Topical triamcinolone is a steroid that is used in the treatment of various skin conditions, including atopic dermatitis and dyshydrotic eczema. It is not typically used in the treatment of PCT. Choice 4. Acyclovir is a nucleotide analog used in the treatment of human herpes virus infections, including herpes simplex virus types 1 and 2. 
HSV can present as an infection of the distal digits known as herpetic whitlow with painful vesicles or pustules, erythema, and edema. In this patient, the bilateral distribution of lesions and lack of pain or swelling makes HSV infection less likely. Choice 5. Trimethoprim sulfamethoxazole is a sulfa antibiotic that is used most frequently in the treatment of bacterial infections. Bacterial infections of the finger, such as a felon, which is an infection of the fingertip, or a perinichia, which is an infection around the nail, is typically confined to one digit and presents as painful erythematous fluctuant abscess. Staphylococcus aureus and streptococcus pyogenes are the most common bacterial causes of felon and perinichia. Finally, a bullet summary. Porphyria cutanea tarda is the most common porphyria and presents with dark urine and non-pruritic skin rash characterized by flaccid vesicles, fragile skin, hemorrhagic crusting, and erosions. Episodes may be triggered by estrogens or increased alcohol consumption. Treatment options include hydroxychloroquine and phlebotomy. That's all for this review about Porphyria cutanea tarda. We hope that was helpful. This is the MedBullets Step 2 and 3 podcast, a daily audio review session for MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. As a reminder, you can follow along with these podcast episodes by reviewing the topics directly on MedBullets.com. You can listen to these episodes on the MedBullets website or phone app while reading through the topic. If the MedBullets podcast has been valuable to you, we'd be thrilled if you considered leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow, right here, on the MedBullets Step 2 and 3 podcast.